What's up, coaches? Make sure you guys go to runthepower.com, all our premium and standard members, uh, and go check out Coach Walls. will have added this week a new RTP install as well as a new RTP long handoff. And you guys can check all of that out at runthepower.com. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Huddle. One-third of U.S. high school football teams already use Huddle Assist to develop their plans more effectively. This number is only going to get bigger uh, next year. So here's a pro tip. Don't fall behind the competition. Sign up for Assist now before your season starts. Once you wrap up Game 1, all you have to do is upload it to Huddle and click the Assist Submission button. You'll add a few details about the game and then send it in. Professional analysts watch every down, charting more than a dozen columns of data for each play. This data automatically filters into the interactive drive charts and tendency reports. In less than a day, all of this is sent directly to you and the other coaches on your team. Simple as that. Once you have the advanced data that more and more of your comp- competitors have, you can take your program to the next level. Ready to get started? Visit huddle.com slash RTP assist to check off data entry from your huddle to-do list. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by Team Builder. Team Builder provides strength and conditioning software to high schools around the country. Whether you write your own programs, have a full-time strength coach, or need tra- training programs, Team Builder can make your program better. Right now, Team Builder is offering a 10-week off-season football tra- training program with a two-day speed and agility program. This template even comes with videos from the top SEC strength coaches that will show you exactly how to run your weight room. Visit their website and enter the code RTP to get the off-season football training template and start your 14-day free trial at teambuilder.com. Again, go to teambuilder.com and enter the code RTP. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by Just Play. Whether you're an individual looking for a personal playbook tool or on staff for a program looking to improve your team's preparation, Just Play has a solution for you. This week, we'd like to tell you about their newest product, My Just Play. My Just Play is a personal playbook tool for coaches at all levels. Create and organize your playbook with terminology, diagrams, video, and assignments, all starting at just $10 a month. Learn more at myjustplay.com. That's myjustplay.com. And last but not least, certainly, this episode is brought to you by Guardian Caps. Got linemen? Cap them during practice with Guardian Cap helmet covers. These caps reduce up to 33% of the impact and are great for the repetitive sub-concussive blows that add up through the season. Clemson, Oklahoma, Texas, and 100-plus more colleges are using them, so why not get them for your guys? They're currently running their summer promo, which is 22 caps for $950 and free shipping. So go to guardiancaps.com for a quote. On this episode of RTP, we talk with Daryl Bullock. Coach Bull is an offensive line and defensive line coach with numerous stops on his resume, most recently at Howard University in Washington, D.C. Listen as we talk with Coach Bull about his playing career at Penn State University, how he has learned the game working for so many great coaches like Chip Kelly and Brennan Marion, and some of his favorite quotes he uses to teach football and life lessons to his players. You can follow Coach Bullock on Twitter at CoachBull underscore. Hope you guys enjoy. My name is Daryl Bullock uh, from the great state of Pennsylvania, originally uh, from Harrisburg. 
played ball at uh, the dream school I wanted to play at. I played ball at Penn State. It was a defensive lineman there, of all things, and uh, was uh, a part of a great, great team, the 86 National Championship the championship team to beat Miami 14-10. I will argue with anybody. I won't even argue. I'll just <laughs> state my fact that that was the best second place team ever because they had some great ones on it but that's a that's a uh a podcast for another day um uh, i knew early on in college that if i didn't play in the nfl i wanted to coach um uh coach paterno was awesome um uh, i really enjoyed uh playing for jim williams on the defensive line and and uh yeah with everything that happened with with jerry sandusky uh I was shocked and surprised, like everybody else that I played with. Uh, we did not know uh, the, the things that uh, were going on, but uh, he was a great defensive coordinator, uh, you know, in the office and on the field. He was a great coordinator. Uh, but I, I I went to the University of Michigan. Uh, was uh, Gary Moore was the uh, head coach. Bo Schembecker had just retired. I GA'd uh, with uh, the defensive line. Um, and, and, uh, that was a really good experience. It, it, like so many coaches, it opened my eyes. It might've been the very first meeting or two, uh, uh, you know, much, di it was different from Penn state because those guys would scream and yell in a meeting and, and come out the room laughing and slapping each other on the back. Cause it's all about winning, you know, it's not personal. And I found out how quickly the hours were intense. Uh, I had a uh, my, my my mother was a thirty year history teacher and she said you better get your masters I don't care what else, what else you do you better get your masters so I went every summer at twenty two twenty three twenty four years old I took classes almost both sessions in the summer and that that was probably how I was able to get through it with with a little lack of sleep so I've been coaching I have two years uh, administratively. Uh, at the college level, and they were both at Penn State, assistant recruiting coordinator. This was right after I got my master's degree from Michigan. This was before Penn State joined the Big Ten. So uh, assistant recruiting coordinator, administrative assistant to uh, the operations, uh, Frank Rocco, the operations director. Um, and then I, I, I had the itch to coach, and, and Joe Pog kept telling me, you know, I, I, I I envisioned uh, moving you over into the athletic department, and I said I'd die a slow death over there as much as I'd love to stay at Penn State. <laughs> and I've been coaching ever since. So I have 25 years at the college level, um, and then uh, another uh, another two at the high school level. That's, uh, that's a lot of years of football, Coach. Um, uh, so I'm kind of curious. You know, your mom made it a big deal to go get your master's degree. Uh, is that the same – uh, thing you would tell some of your kids that that uh, you know come through uh, and and want to end up being coaches is that something that you you think is an important thing still to this day is is that something you push uh, on, on some of your players to go get their master's degree definitely uh, you know it's changed today because some of these young men you know I was at Howard University the past two years uh, coaching the offensive line there um, and uh, run game coordinator and and you know, some of those kids, because the, we, we go after a higher academic student than, say, the majority of teams in the conference, 
uh, some of those kids already had credits coming into college, you know, because they were taking college courses at a community college close by, you know, or what have you. And they already had 24 credits coming into college, much different than in the 80s uh, when I went to college. Um, and, and not only would I emphasize that they get their degree, but the, uh, you know, the, the world economy now, it, it's even, uh, you know, it, it's just even tougher, you know, job-wise. And what, the things that have happened with technology and losing, losing certain jobs and manufacturing jobs, they, they got to get not only get their undergraduate degree, but uh, get their master's degree if possible. And the only one of the things they don't even realize that getting a degree will even help them when they go to the bank to get a loan. If they want to be a businessman, they're like, oh, I, I don't really need this degree. I have a great plan. Uh, you know, something I've been thinking about and formulating and I've been running it by people on social media and they love it. And, you know, even if they have some kind of plan, I'm talking about, you know, our new millennial children. Sure. If they have some kind of plan, they're still, you know, you, you're going to make a bank more comfortable if you've shown, all right, that, that you can handle being in an environment and, and, and having a, a, a hours as far as a student athlete, uh, you know, the hours that it, that entails and being able to do that will, will you know, that might be the difference between getting a loan or not. Coach, I'm, I'm sure it was uh, at times, you know, a little more difficult uh, with such a strict, um, you know, you know, needing to get kids that can qualify to get into your school and, and recruiting those type of athletes. But I think it probably also comes with a, a huge benefits in that now on your football team, you've got a ton of really, really smart kids uh, that can do a lot of things. Is that something that uh, obviously you played to your strength as an offensive line coach uh, with a bunch of smart kids? Great question, Coach Harper. They can handle – those young men can handle a lot. And uh, I was just communicating with two of my seniors that graduated uh, just a couple hours ago, um, they could handle more adjustments than, say, uh, some other places I've coached offensive line. And, and I have 15 years of the 25 years at the college level, 15 of them are with the offensive line, 10 are with the D-line. And, uh, you know, I originally was coaching defensive line when I first left Penn State. And, and you know, the, the, the best thing I could have done I was curious to know more about offensive line play. Hmm. And, and, and I hate to admit it, Coach Harper, Coach Walsh, but <laughs> I, I, I started coaching O-line, didn't know what I was doing, but I had a patient uh, teacher. I started coaching O-line, fell in love with the position, absolutely positively fell in love with the position, trying to turn five rusty pennies into a nickel. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, that challenge, Coach Harper, as you know, is is uh is a great challenge and uh and, and you know it's never you, you know it, yeah after a win and and uh, the line played well the, there's some satisfaction but it, it's never it's never close to 100 percent right in old line coach's eyes you know so i love that challenge and i and i love the uh you know the challenge of of uh just paying attention to detail and having your players almost, you know, where they're almost buying in as much as you do to attention to detail and fundamentals and, and, uh, you know, teamwork and working together, you know, I mean, they almost buy into 
the good lines I've had, they've almost cared as much as I did about the little things. Coach, uh, shifting gears just a little bit, um, I, I want to get back to your, your playing career and, and that Miami team and, and that game. You know, knowing that, that Miami was the, the prohibitive favorite going into that, and, and like you said, I mean, just a loaded squad. Um, I'm always interested in asking some of the, the, the college coaches or players, you know, what, what was kind of the mindset, you know, going in, knowing you guys were the underdogs and, and knowing that you guys could, could pull off the upset, but what was the mindset and, and how was kind of the preparation? Because I think a lot of coaches – are out there listening to find a couple of nuggets about, you know, how can we upset that, that big team in our conference or how, how can we try to get over the hump? What were some things you guys did or maybe your coaches did to, to get you guys to that point and, and win the national title? Well, we had lost the uh, – my freshman, my retro freshman year, we lost the title uh, to uh, Jamel Highway, Bosworth, Barry Switzer. You know, we lost the uh, national championship in the Orange Bowl the year before to Oklahoma, great Oklahoma team. And uh, and it was all those seniors that came back. Uh, Tim Johnson, you know, was a mentor of mine on the D-line. Uh, Bob White, Shane Conlon, you know, I mean, you name it. You know, uh, Schaefer, our quarterback, you know, DJ Dozier, all those guys came back, you know, when they could have went to the league. They all came back for the fifth year. and. And once that happened, and it happened quickly by the end of January, by, you know, I mean, before the semester started, which was like the third week in January, I mean, once they made that decision, hey, we're coming back. And, you know, they had discussions among themselves. One, as a backup, because I was uh, third team at that time, one, as a backup, you knew that you you will prepare and you didn't want to let your seniors down. But unless something happened physically, that you were probably not going to be playing a lot that that following year. But, you know, we were so hungry and so focused that come preseason camp, we just knew that no one was going to get in our way. And then when you hit preseason camp, Coach Harper, Coach Walsh, all of a sudden dissension took place. We had terrific uh, second-team defense. And, man, I'm telling you that, you know, we had guys that walked out of camp. And, and I you know, Joe's a disciplinarian now. I mean, he, you know, did he evolve over the years from 66 to 86? Yes. <laughs> you know, talking to guys in the 70s and the 60s that played for him because it's a great uh, fellowship. That, you know, Penn State Letterman is a great fellowship. But, you know, guys walked out, and if it wasn't for the senior captains talking to Joe and the situation, it wasn't being, uh, you know, it wasn't being defiant. It was frustration. You know, we had uh, uh, backups on defense walking out. We had uh, guys that were, and and I guarantee you, one thing that you knew pretty well is uh, when we worked with the Penn State staff was. You were going to know your role, even if the truth hurt. You were going to know your role. It wasn't too often the guys didn't know their roles. But the frustration with their role, and they were playing well in preseason camp, the frustration with their role, and next thing you know, they're not there that morning at practice. You know, and it, and it, takes, it, took, a, it took several interventions for some of those key guys, and, and you know how it is. When those guys decided to put all in for the team, you know, to, you know, to put that, 
that that self, you know, just take a back seat with their self and to put it all in, you know, for the team, even if it wasn't the best situation for them, they flourished even in a backup role. And I guarantee you there were times that came up during the season where we wouldn't have made it to that game if they didn't make plays. There were four or five guys in camp. It happened at, on the D-line. It happened at tight end. I mean, it, it you know, it was frustration at running back because, I mean, we had six, seven running backs that were outstanding. Blair Thomas was backing up DJ, and there were outstanding running backs behind him. You know, uh, there's always tension with our great fullbacks, Tim Manoa and Steve Smith. You know, so, uh, it, you know, it, it was amazing. For any coaches out there listening, it was amazing the balancing act that Coach Paterno and the staff did, you know, and and it wasn't a bunch of empty promises of, hey, you know, if you keep playing like you're playing a preseason camp, you're going to start over him. No, it was anything can happen, and this team can do something special, and we want you to be a part of it. You know, that was the message that I was getting from, from those guys that, you know, were frustrated and, you know, they did walk out. You know, that was the message we were getting from those guys. You know, coaches weren't promising you that you were going to start. You know, it was just that, you know, we're, our, the, our strength is in our numbers. So in a very hot night in Arizona and the Fiesta Bowl, you know, the first game ever played after January 1st, you know, January 2nd, 1987, it was a very hot game. And even though Miami plays in the heat, the, the whole focus was we are going to be more physical than them. Hmm. They're a great team. They have great team speed. But we are going to out-hit them. And by the fourth quarter, all right, they're going to start coming up short, if not the third quarter. Hmm. You know, Michael Irvin was a sophomore receiver for them. And, I mean, I mean, you know, Rusty Medeiros and, I mean, you know, the great, the late Jerome Brown. You know, I mean, they, they had, you know, Vinny Testaverde won the Heisman. I mean, if they kept giving Alonzo, if they kept giving Alonzo Heisman the ball, and I hate to say it because I played on defense, <laughs> the first back in two years to have, I think he had 131 yards or something, 130 yards against us. He was a great, great player. And, and you know, so, uh, you know, when you say what is the message to coaches, one, I think they got overconfident. They said their real national championship game was against Florida State, and they, I think they beat them by one point in October. Mm. So, they, you know, they kept walking out of every function, these folks at the Fiesta Bowl, these hardworking folks, all year long they're, they're, they're working on and practicing and to put on a great, you know, Fiesta Bowl, uh, you know, show for, the, for both teams and the fans. They walked out of everything. So we were already motivated. By the time we got down there, we had great practice in State College. Nobody was around. And we got down there. Uh, we got down there on the 26th. So we practiced until 10, 12 days. We practiced, you know, when at first it was light during finals. But we practiced, I'd say, you know, a good 10 or 12 days, you know, before we left on the 22nd. You know, and everyone had three days. And then we all met back up in Harrisburg and, and chartered, you know, to Tempe. But um, we we felt good at practice. As a matter of fact, I was on the scout team playing Daniel Stubbs, and I and I was doing the best. I mean, he broke the sack record that year. 
I mean, I, I took every practice like, you know, mm. like it was a game. And those guys were very complimentary, players and coaches, about the look I gave. I, I did not give a Daniel Stubbs. I was not Daniel Stubbs out there, but I was trying to, <laughs> you know. Uh, and and so, you know, we, we took, you know, the, the uh, I mean, you know, 120-some guys, you know, were too deep on the scout teams. You know, a lot of coaches out there would love to have that now. You know, some coaches would say, no, nah, I don't want all those players on my team. It's more problems. But, you know, we were too deep on both scout teams. And, uh, you, you know, I mean, it, it was intense, you know. And even, I mean, even, you know, we had, you know, got out, went to events and things like that. You know, the seniors let it be known. They joke, you know, that's the thing about really good football teams. <laughs> the, the, good, the, the, the leadership runs the team. The coaches just got it. I mean, and, and and Joe had the fear of – he had the fear of almost everybody on that team. I'd say 97 98% of the team, you know, when he walked around in your area of practice, the intensity picked up. Even if it was 50%, <laughs> it, it, it turned into three quarters. It was three quarters, it turned into full speed. Everybody's peeking a little bit over their, over their heads at Joe, you know. And I mean, he could see things. You know, people joke about his glasses. He could see things. Practice field side by side. He'll go. He would be yelling from one corner of the field. Coach Harper, Coach Walsh. He'd be yelling and be running about 150 yards from one corner and say the offensive field all the way over to the defensive field, yelling and pointing his finger the whole <laughs> way up there. <laughs> and, and you know that 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 Paisan, that Italian, that voice would get high, and and everybody on the team pretty much could imitate him. You know, and, and everybody on the team could could imitate him. You know, and he got excited, and that sweat got on that, you know, that top lip. You know, we weren't allowed to have much facial hair, and he was always clean shaven, and you know, and those glasses get a little fog. I mean, he, you know. You know, you know what's so funny about that though, with with, with Coach Paterno, because he was a great, great coach. It was almost a rite of passage. So when the first time he yelled at you, unless you were, you know, weak of spirit or, or weak of heart, it was it was like a celebration. Like when you got off the field, <laughs> you and your buddies like, oh man, Joe ripped you today. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, I remember my my second spring. I remember my second spring, you know, he jumped all over. I jumped off sides. He jumped all over. I'm like, oh man, I'm 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 close. I'm right there. I'm ready to play. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm <laughs> he's yelling at me for a reason. He's getting me ready. Cause he wouldn't yell at his freshmen unless they were playing because he didn't want to destroy anyone's confidence, you know? And and you know, I mean, today we we, you know, we 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 relying on players to play now. You know, I've been a, a career FCS. Uh, you know, one double A offense and defensive line coach. And, and, you know, I've, I've been at the NAIA level for a year, you know, uh, like I said, I've been at the high school level for a couple of years. You know, I was uh, at, at Chowan, you know, so I was at the division two level. I was at shorter uh, in Georgia three years ago in Rome, Georgia. So I was at the division two level for a couple of years. All right. I was at the NAI level for one year and the rest was at the FCS level. And, you know, we, you know, with 63 scholarships or less, of course, we're looking for the young men to play early. Right. As freshmen. 
you know, but it's even that way now at the FBS level. So, you, you know, it, it, but, but back then, you know, if you didn't play as a freshman, it might have been a big deal to you, but it wasn't to the staff if you were working hard. Mm-hmm. If you were working hard and you showed signs of, of, of you know, what they saw when they were recruiting you, it, it wasn't a big deal. And I got to imagine, you know, just playing at Penn State, at that stadium in front of that crowd had to have been awesome. I got to play against Penn State my freshman year, uh, and it was some meaningless bowl game to them. They still traveled thousands of people all the way down to Dallas, Texas, um, and it was a really cool experience even playing against a team with the caliber that Penn State is is known as. Uh, So I'm assuming uh, even a thousand times cooler getting to play at that stadium in front of all of those people. It was great. I, I love the Orange Bowl, uh, love the Citrus Bowl, but the uh, Fiesta Bowl, it wasn't just because we won the championship. It was just a great bowl. I mean, the folks out there were awesome. Um, you know, I, I really uh, – I was impressed with the Arizona State campus. Uh, you know, it, it, I mean, we really – I mean, to a man, I – I, I not, never remember any player saying they did not, uh, you know, like the experience at the Fiesta Bowl. And I would say, you know, like if you could have asked us that, as, as, as tense as it was, as much as, you know, and you know what's so funny today, any of the Miami Hurricanes that played in that game, a number of those guys that are in the coaching profession now, you know, they're friends now. You know, I mean, you know, when you, when you grow up and you, and you get in the real world, you know, as as much as that game was was uh, tense, and as and as much as we wanted to fight each other, you know, before the game, at halftime, and after the game, you know, I mean, there, there's there was guys on that team that 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 we're friendly with now, especially guys in the coaching profession. So, you know, that that's that's the evolution and maturity that you know takes place from. You know, and, and you know, we tried not to be an emotional football team. We were more emotional on defense, but you know, we 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 uh, we mirrored our head coach, and we we weren't a super emotional team. You know, we were much more of a cerebral team. You know, but one thing, if you disrespected us, uh, if uh, you challenged our toughness, if you disrespected us, woe for you. <laughs> you, know, you know, I mean, it just, it was just inbred in us, you know. Coach, is that something that you brought into your own uh, coaching style, the the same cerebral, low emotional um, uh, play, or or did you switch that up a little bit when you were the uh, offensive line coach? You know, it's, it's a great question. Um, you have to coach to your personality. So one of the things, you know, Joe would walk around and practice every day all right and and he what when we you know when we were stretching he would he would say quotes he would say things that we need to work on we need to get better at today and so from that standpoint i am like joe pa you know where uh I, i'm i'm walking around I'm, I'm telling players from 95 96 remember when they see me they'll 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 say a quote to me uh on twitter on Facebook, my, my former players, sometimes they'll just say a quote to me and put my name in there to make sure that I see, see, the, uh, see the quote. You know, uh, 
an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Uh, you know, I mean, he went on and on and on. All right. And there, there were things that you never forget. The harder you work, the harder it is to surrender. You know, I, I mean, and he had a good 15, 20 different quotes that he would say, you know, not every day, but he'd say four or five of them each and every day. And, and you never forgot them. And so that's one of the things I do now. And, and I think it's, it's something to, to help no matter what happened during your day, uh, whether we're practicing in the morning, whether we're practicing in the afternoon. I haven't been too many places where we practice at night, uh, consistently at night. I mean, you always have night practices. But um, it, it's just something to help focus you in, you know. And, and on the days where, say, I'm talking to a trainer or I'm talking to the head coach on the field or talking to the offensive coordinator, Days I haven't, as soon as I hit the field, I haven't been hitting them with quotes. You know, uh, days I haven't hit them with quotes. They're like, Coach Bull, what's going on? Where are the quotes at? <laughs> you know? So, I mean, a lot of times the first, as soon as I hit the field, uh, you know, uh, a lot of times, I, you know, the first thing I'll say is, today is the first day of the rest of your life. You either get better or you get worse. You can't stay the same. Now, I say it with a lot more energy and fire. Um, but I, I, am, uh, I am that coach that is very high energy of practice. Um, you know, we're an inside drill, and we bust a run for seven. I might be sprinting because I try to stay in shape. I might sprint to the running back and help him up. You know, just, just you know, because practice, as you know, coaches, Practice can be drudgery for players. You know, I mean, we are the only sport where, and, you know, hockey to an extent, but we are the only sport, and then wrestling, but we are truly the only sport where, you know, even though some folks aren't physical in practice anymore, I mean, we're the only sport that practice isn't necessarily fun for the majority of the players, if you ask them, if you ask them to be honest. That's right, That's especially the offensive line. <laughs> and so I, 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 uh, I am uh, a little rowdy, um, maybe a little bit of control, chaos, um, uh, a sense of humor if the group can handle it. If they're not mature enough to handle it, Coach Harper, you know. If they're not mature enough to handle it, I don't, I don't joke around much. I am hardest on my guys, talking about the offensive line or even the defensive line, but I am hardest on my guys in the meeting room when it's just us, uh, in my individual drills, in the shoots, on the sled, uh, everyday drills, uh, blocking combinations. Um, I am hardest on them when it's just us and we're on our own, our own area of the field or in our own meetings. Uh, that is when I'm hardest on them. And I slide in and out of being tough and uh, and sometimes uh, uh, sliding in humor and then getting right back to the point at hand. So uh, that that that's who I am. But I'm a high energy uh, coach uh, every day, even if I'm even if I'm not feeling well, I, I don't want my players knowing I'm not feeling well. Uh, I'm, I got. I got quotes for him. A hard man goes down a hard road. 
You know, what you do in the dark shows up in the light, you know, especially on a Thursday night after practice, you know. <laughs> That's right. You, you know, I mean, uh, so, you know, I, I, I got a ton of quotes, and, and it's, it's interesting which ones will stick with certain guys. And then, you know, when I stay in the conference, if I go from one college to another and stay in the conference, <laughs> and we play that team that next year, everybody is yelling quotes. And the guys that I'm currently, the team I'm currently coaching, they're like, Coach Bull, you let them get away with that? They're saying your quotes. I said, I, I, said, I was just there last year. I said, what did you think I was doing there? They started chuckling. <laughs> oh, that was just for us. I said, no. <laughs> I said, I said, I guarantee you, Joe Power was saying quotes from 66 until 2010, 2011. I said, you know, I said, no. I said, no. I, you know, I said, I, I, these are things I want you guys to lock into and believe. Now, when I walk around my offensive line and stretch, because I, I really believe in how you start practice. If practice starts fast, then many times, more times than not, it can be a good practice. But I, I would always say to my offensive line coaches, name three things, name two to three things that you that you need to improve on today. All right, you don't have to tell me. All right, you should be able to identify two or three things from our film study, from you watching film on your own, from, from everything, from pre previous games, two or three things that you need to improve on uh, and then I tell my older guys, and then you should also think about two or three strengths of yours that you do not want to go backwards on. You know, so, uh, you know, that, that that that's what I would be saying to my guys. And then I might walk over to the defensive line and tell them how great they are and, you know, and, 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 and tell them it's, you know, it's, it's a beautiful day and it's, it's more beautiful because they're out there practicing against us and <laughs> honoring the privilege to go against a highly esteemed group. And uh, usually the D-line coach or the D-coordinator say, you're so full of you-know-what, Coach Bull. Get get your tail back on the other side. You know, <laughs> I try to get in the defensive line's head. You know, I mean, even though it's practice, you know, I mean, if, if you get guys laughing a little bit, get them, get them riled up a little bit, you know, yeah. Many times you can end up making practice fun. You you guys know with with today's generation, um, attacking them socially and getting to know them better, and and trying to make things fun for them without it being Candyland or Barney, mm -hmm. um, is important. It's important to these kids. You could rip me up one side and down the other at Penn State and, and in high school. I, I that motivated me. There's only but so many players today, you know. As you get to know your players, there's only so many players that I can really motivate by getting after them. You know, now I'm not one to uh, curse. It's just not my nature. And if it does happen, if more happens in the meeting room, um, because you never know what young people might be out there on the field at practice. If practice is open or even if somebody's son or daughter on the staff is out there at practice, even if, uh, even if a son or daughter of one of the players, you know, is, is out there on the practice field, you, you never know. But, uh, but I, I'm not one to uh, get personal with players. I'm not one to, uh, 
to curse them. That's just not that wasn't the Penn State way. And and so I think that Coach Harper and Coach Walsh, I think that has been a heavy influence on me as well. You know, um, you know, it was eye opening at at, at uh, when I went to Michigan as a GA because they got after guys and they got after guys. And <laughs> yes, they cursed. They cursed. You know, I mean, you know. Uh, you know, it, it was just, it, it was just, you know, everyone has a culture and that was the culture there. Coach, you talked a few times about, you know, when, when you were playing, how, you know, we're going to, we're going to be a little bit more physical and we're going to out hit people. And, you know, you've talked about it a little bit, you know, with your offensive line as well. Is that one of kind of your non-negotiables? Like if you're going to play offensive line uh, for me, you know, it's not going to be one of these deals where maybe I'm like, you know, challenging your manhood or your things like that, but it's like, I'm going to teach you how to play physical and I'm going to teach you how to play, you know, with, with, a, with an edge and, and not back down to, to other people, you know, you're going to be able to impose and, and play with some confidence. I, I tell offensive linemen all the time, especially ones that aren't necessarily want to be physical or aren't necessarily tough. You can be a fake tough guy. You have pads, a helmet, seven referees or however many you have in your state high school. <laughs> yeah. Right. You can be a things that you wouldn't do in a in an alley, things you wouldn't do on the street. Uh, I, I, if if you're not a guy who believes in or demonstrates aggravated assault on the field, if you're not one of those guys, it's something that will get you an aggravated assault charge off the field. If you're not one of those guys, then then you're gonna have a hard time playing for me. So, you know, guys will get. And it got to the point where I didn't even have to do it much anymore. Their, their, their teammates would get on them. If you didn't hit anybody on a play, you know, it's one thing for a cornerback or a receiver not to hit somebody on a play, on the backside of a running play or what have you. But if, if you don't hit somebody on a play as an offensive lineman, you know, even even if the game is is uh, faster and in, in more of a finesse game now today, you know, with the RPOs and different things. I mean, some of the best offenses in the country. I mean, if if coaches are truly honest with themselves, talking about at the college level, and I'm and I guarantee it's probably the same at the high school level. Some of the best offenses in the country, uh, whatever RPO system, whether they are, you know, whatever kind of system they run, and I've been in all of them. Uh, that many times they're running the ball first. And if they can establish a run game, it opens everything else up. I mean, the RPO game is not nearly as effective as if there's not a threat of a run game. Exactly. And and, and so the other thing on that, that's why, why I got so excited when you guys invited me to be a guest on your show, is my favorite, my two favorite plays in America are, are power, in the brief times I've been in option football, and I'm no option expert, midline, because you are downhill right now. A-gap. It doesn't mean it's going to run in the A-gap, but you are downhill right now with the threat of running in the A-gap. Straight line is the fastest way between two points. And any defensive coordinators worth their salt are scared to death or, or wary of being run downhill right now in the A-gap. Because safeties react slower to it. It doesn't give linebackers a chance to react as fast. You know, that pursuit cannot is not the same if you are running downhill right now at the A-gap. You know, so 
you know, the 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 name Run the Power Pack is just a great, great name. I, I <laughs> came up with it, but kudos to whoever came up with the name. Um, because you gotta be able to run the football. All right. Here here are two things that that when you talk about a successful season and you know, we lost one game in two years at Penn State. We ran the ball well and we played great defense and we were and we were good on special teams. So those are three things. Uh, there are three things that travel in bad weather. See, this is what, when you get to clinics, you know, and I'm 52, man. When you get to clinics, it's great hearing uh, uh, great offensive minds and great defensive minds. And you hear those coaches that say, this play can't be stopped. They're usually young coaches that say that. <laughs> That's right. Or they can't run on this defense or, you know, there's there's no way they can throw on this coverage. <laughs> you know, when when you hear coaches say that, they probably haven't. No matter, because we're a testosterone profession now. I mean, you know, we're we're a Robert Conrad. I dare you to knock that battery off my shoulder. Profession, you know, that's an old school commercial, but <laughs> that is our our even even if it's changed some, that is that is the 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 makeup of many of the coaches you know, in our great profession, you know, but it, it, there's a couple things that travel well on road games and travel well in bad weather. Defense, good defense, a good run game, good special teams, all right? And then the fourth one is discipline. Those things travel well and hold up on the road. And, and you know, I coached at the University of New Hampshire. I had a, a, a nice run there. Didn't get paid enough. You know, football is only but so important. But Sean McDonald, I was there his first couple of years, has done an unbelievable job at the University of New Hampshire. Chip Kelly was an offensive coordinator, great offensive mind. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, but the one thing, the one thing that really played up there was the elements. I mean. You know, UMass had won the, the one double national championship in '98, and when we played them in uh, 2000, I mean, we went from throwing the ball 60 times against number one ranked Delaware, and and upset them in double overtime at their place, and didn't give up a sack. Coach Harper, that's one of my proudest games. We rushed for over five a carry. They were number one on defense in almost every category, giving up about eight <laughs> games. Jeez. Uh, but then the following week, we played. Uh, University of Massachusetts, Mark Whipple, and I believe Mark Whipple was the head coach, and it was a 40-mile-hour win in Durham, New Hampshire. So we are, are we had about three option plays in our in our uh, playbook, and we ran them some in games, you know, because you know what option football does. Option, you know, you test the defense if they get gimmicky with their blitz schemes. If, all right. If they're not sound on on dive quarterback and pitch, it'll get exposed, you know, against some good option against good option football. But it it, it wasn't so much that UMass was gimmicky. It was that it was a 40 mile win again, like Penn State versus Miami. We felt like UMass was more athletic than us. But we felt like we were more physical. So we ran the ball over 60 times in that game, and I think they were ranked 10th or 12th in the country. We might have 
snuck in the top 25 because we beat Delaware the week before. And, I mean, you couldn't punt the ball. You, you couldn't throw the ball. And a quarterback by the name of Ryan Day, who's at Ohio State, happened to be our quarterback, very heady, very smart. Didn't have a great arm, but he was a great leader and made great decisions and was a t- was tough as nails. Uh, but, I mean, when we ran six different option plays. We ran midline. We ran belly option. We ran trap option. You know, we, we, you know, it, we ran speed option. I mean, but they weren't ready for us to run option, but by the second quarter, they knew what we were doing. You know, so we abandoned the inside-outside zone game that game, all right? But when you have a good run game, you you know, special teams were all over the place for both teams in that game with 40, 50-mile wins, all right? But when you have a good run game, all right, you can s- slow the game down for your defense, all right, and speed the, speed the game up as far as time is concerned, all right? And... So, you know, then you find out who's, who panics. Does someone stay calm or do they panic mm-hmm. when a team they thought they were going to beat, it's fourth quarter and it's either very close or they're down a couple points. And and even if it's two, three first downs and it's not a field goal, it's not a touchdown, the, the, their offense was prolific, all right? So you had a strong win. You had us control when we controlled the clock like crazy in that game. I can't, I mean, it was a huge advantage to us. All right. Whereas the week before against Delaware, it wasn't, but we controlled the, the, the clock like crazy. And you, you put that with mother nature, you know, and it turned their offense, you know, from great to just okay. And you, you know, we, we ended up, winning two great games two weeks in a row against teams that had more talent than us. So I, I didn't mean to get on my, my soapbox there, man, but it was kind of <laughs> on the same theme of, you know, well, tell the young coaches, what did you do to beat them? And, and so those are, you know, summing up, I mean, good defense, good run game. And you might want to throw the ball more than you run it, but good defense, good run game, good special teams. And discipline travels anywhere. It travels in in hurricane conditions. It travels in windy conditions. I mean, it, it travels. That's exactly right. And like you said, it, it can really make a, a, a prolific offense on the other side. Uh, it can really make them panic, especially, you know, you, you talk to players, but even coordinators. You know, if, if your offense is taking a lot of time off the clock and then you score – uh, and then maybe your defense holds them. They're a fast-paced offense, holds them to one, three, and out. Uh, now they're even their coordinators will at times if they're not heady coordinators, they'll start kind of panicking and rushing things and and uh, kind of start playing right into your hand. Yeah, and, and you know, I am um, one of the. I thought one of the best systems I've ever seen offensively was Marv Levy and the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, they lost four Super Bowls in the nineties, but. I I, uh, I love I loved their pace, gain five yards. I mean, they really started it all. Mm-hmm. You know, someone else somewhere around the country might argue that no, one of their scouts was at our practice and we were doing that, and he took it back to Marv Levy and they started. Doing <laughs> it. As far as I know, they started all. You know, gain five yards and 
all of a sudden they might they might turn it into indie tempo. You know, uh, get a first down, all of a sudden it might be indie tempo. But until that time, you know, it was a, a sugar tempo. You're on the line of scrimmage. You might have some motions. You might have some shifts, you know, and then you let that first down happen. Let, you know, uh, let, let a big gain happen in the run game or the pass game. And all of a sudden we're, we're going. And now the defense is going to struggle to get personnel on the field or to get the personnel they want on the field for your formations. All right. And then they never know when you're going to slow back down. You've already effectively given your defense time uh, to make adjustments on the sidelines and the time to get their legs back, depending on how long the drive is, and, or just saving their legs for later in the game. Even if they three and out the last time. I mean, I, I, I am, uh, and, and you know, I mean, I've been with, you know, from Brennan Marion and Howard to to Chip Kelly at New Hampshire, uh, you know, to Ernest Wilson at Hampton University. Uh, I mean, I've been around some really good offensive coordinators, and you know, the the one thing, the one thing that I I thought was always tough was when they did when a defense never knew when when you were going to change tempo. Mm-hmm. I, I just a believer in that, but that's part of me being a, a former defensive lineman and believing that defense still wins championships. Uh, as the uh, Patriots showed everybody against, I mean, that's a great offensive Rams had, but they got reduced in that game. And there's a lot of the things we talked about. I mean, that was a great offense that the Rams had. You know, I mean, I mean, and 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 the same thing happened. The greatest show on turf was that. Was that Belichick's first Super Bowl championship? Yeah, it was. I mean, was, I mean that was another great offense. You know that again, he and his staff and team found a way to to reduce. I think you make a great point too about you know the the guys you worked for you know Coach Mary and Coach Kelly you know all all of these up tempo offenses I think still all the best up tempo offenses have run the ball really 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 effectively just because I think it's it's so much easier you know to to be able to to hand it off move the chains or you hand it off and you have you know an, an explosive tailback uh, the offensive line is going to have a limited number of schemes that they're able to to execute and move the ball. Whereas, you know, teams, I think that maybe struggle a bit, you know, they, they throw the ball, there's incompletions. Now it just gets out of rhythm and it just kind of ruins the tempo or the no huddle tempo almost just naturally. Whereas if you can run and keep picking up chunks of yardage and, and move it that way, I think it's just so much more effective. And, and, and then even the threat of the run at any time. So, yep. you know, uh, getting exotic on defensive line games and twist, um, um, and, 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 you know, I, I think along those lines, man, also, uh, it, it just helps keep defenses at bay with what they're doing in their blitz game. And if they are just going to be uh, very aggressive and, and, and still blitz you hard, uh, you just got to be patient. You're going you're gonna to pop a run and get it on the safety. I mean, I don't care how fast they are, how well they tackle. You're going to get in a situation where you're going to have a running back or a quarterback that's going to is you know it's going to bust you know going to bust through the line of scrimmage and going to be one on one with a safety. I mean, it's just going to happen because you know you're you're 
you're damned if you do, damned if you don't, you know, with, with, with the aggression and the blitzing. So, I mean, that, and, that, you know, a good run game can always, you know, always been able to calm that down over the years, at least in my experience. You know, a good run game can, can calm that down. I mean, you know, just the subtlety as a defensive line coach, just the subtlety of two defensive tackles lining up on guards or, or a two-eye and a three technique and them flat-stepping and gap exchanging versus them pinching an angle slant movement, you know, a 45-degree movement. You know, you want to do one versus, you know, uh, uh, gap schemes. You know, you want to, you know, in my estimation and what I've heard from coaches over the years is, you, you know, you, you want to gap exchange more with hips and shoulders square. You want to flat step more against gap schemes, against power, against counter tray, you know, against plays like that. And, you know, uh, against zone schemes, you, you, you know, you, you want a more pinch angle and slant and, and uh, see if you can't get penetration and make the running back stop his feet. You know, one of the things when I was a GA at, at Michigan and Lloyd Carr talking about him, I've, I've had some great influences. Was a great, great defensive coordinator, and uh, you know we did off season, uh, off season when we mid mid season and off season we did evaluations of our because we we're a big angle slant team. So we did evaluations of our angle and slants. You know, of course we broke it down and had, of course, break down VHS super VHS tapes back then, um, and. It was the leading angle and slant was the leader in tackles for a loss. And it was the, when you had our big runs tape, it was the majority of the time we were angling or slanting <laughs> on, 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 uh, you know, whatever we termed our, uh, whatever the category we, we made for, for big runs. All right. The, the majority of the time we were angling and slanting. And, and you know, I mean, and 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 you know what I love is that the coaches were honest about that. They they knew that that was going to be the case even before we did those breakdowns as GAs. They knew that was going to be the case, you know. And 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 so, you know, I mean, you can either sit on your hands and be very conservative, and you know, offenses are too good today, so you're going to have to take some chances, but. You know, for teams that really want to be aggressive and blitz you and twist you and and zone dog you and you know and fire zone you, you know, teams that really want to be aggressive, you know, and void void gaps, void weak flats, void weak curls, you know, based on what an offense is doing in the passing game, you know, a run game really can expose that. Coach, uh, I'm curious, you know, you started as a defensive lineman, then, then D-line coach, and then you, you made the jump over. How much do you think that has, uh, you know, having that uh, feel and, and that understanding, that intricate understanding of defensive line, how much do you think that's helped you as an offensive line coach, understanding what a defensive line is, is trying to do and, and, you know, some of the techniques they're going to be using against offensive linemen? And is that something that you would um, – you know, push coaches to do is is jump over to that other side of the ball so they can get a, a more complete picture for their side. I would definitely recommend it for other coaches to do. And that is one of the huge advantages, Coach Harper, Coach Wallace. That's one of the huge advantages 
of staffs that are together a long time, where there's not a lot of, where they have a lot of continuity. You know, you'll see some great head coaches that'll move guys around on their staff, you know, so not only do they get other experiences, but even the players are listening, you know, or, you know, or, or listening or getting a message from a different coach on the staff, you know, but I, it, it's been a major contribution for me. Um, you know, like I said, I have 10 years of defensive line experience, um, all at the college level, uh, 15 years of uh, O-line experience, all at the college level. Uh, and they both, when I've gone from defensive line to offensive line and back, it's helped me on both sides of the ball. I mean, just knowing what the other, what the other side of the ball is trying to do, who you compete against every day, has been a huge uh, help. I, I love when I'm uh, on the defensive line. I love uh, breaking down protections and and being able to come at them with movement, where you're not blitzing. You know, where maybe you're twisting, or maybe there's games and 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 with just a, a, a dog sometimes. It, it doesn't have to be seven, just five. You know, just bringing them where they're not or where they're weak in protection, you know. And so I, I really think it's helped me on both sides. Um, I, I can be a little uh, anal retentive, man, uh, when it comes to protections. I think sometimes people say our speed is going to protect us. Well, if we're not chewing up yards and getting first downs and we're three and out, our speed isn't going to protect us. So uh, I, I am I am a little anal retentive uh, on things like uh, having a running back cross key. He's lined up in shotgun. He's offset, you know, to the right of the quarterback, but his blitz key is the linebacker on the left side of that midline. You know, whether he is dual reading from midline left or whether he just has the, the the linebacker on the left side to anything coming from the second or third level wider on that side. Uh, cross keying is, I think, one of the really good things, and I hope I'm not losing people uh, in, in – uh, out there in podcast land, but not at all. many times is I believe one of the really good things to slow down teams that want to, you know, break you down, study you, break you down. And we got a great blitz plan against them, but they don't know. And of course now, you know, you could have a great young running back and many times what he struggles in, he, he might not be afraid to block. He might be a very willing blocker, but what he might struggle in is picking up blitzes, you know, and being on the same page with the offensive line. So, you know, uh, that's another thing. Um, it was really great with Coach Marion the past couple of years, man, because with Brennan Marion, because uh, there were times where I had the O-line and running backs, and it's usually once a week. The running back coach, me, uh, we met every morning because it was an academic school. Uh, we didn't practice in the morning. Uh, Coach London just didn't think that was as effective for players. Uh, we didn't practice early in the morning. We rarely did. We practiced in the afternoon, and the guys that had to leave early or or uh, come to practice late, they, we, we just worked around it in practice. 
no matter how much it was, you know, as coaches that, that it might have drove us nuts, we worked around it. That was it was, you know, that was the common standard and we took that into consideration every morning when we worked our practice schedules. Um, but you you know, to have the running backs with you sometimes uh, in a meeting and then watching film with you, uh, I really think helps the learning curve of the running backs. You know, run game obviously on on, on where the holes should be on each running play, but definitely in protection. Definitely in protection. And even even if even if, if they're free releasing, even whether whether they're swinging, whether they're you know you know whether they're running a delete route on a linebacker, whether they you know whether they swing what. Whatever it is they're doing on free release, running the wheel, they should know even faster as they're getting out of there whether the ball's coming to them right now or not, based on what the defense is doing because they're in the meetings. You know, they're paying attention, they're in the meetings with the offensive line, and they're talking to their offensive linemen at night. You know, I think that's another important thing. Are they, you know, and, and you know, I don't know with technology. I believe at the high school level, this is happening. This is happening a lot now on good teams as well, because of of a video being shared, of of of, of uh, guys chatting with each other, you know, through whatever social, you know, uh, media means. But you know, are, are they talking? You know, I mean, we only have but so many hours with them. Are they talking? And so, I would encourage the offensive line and the running backs to get together on their own. Sometimes it was in the office. Sometimes it was on their own. Some somebody's dorm room. You know, get together and watch film together. Talk about it. Talk about protections. You know. So, um, but I, I'm I'm a I'm a stickler when it comes to uh, protections. Uh, if you're just slide protecting all the time, it's great versus A and B gap blitzes and twists. All right, people want to bring four in your A and B gaps, but it, but man, when people start coming off your edges when defensive ends take two steps, check run, and drop curl to flat, and here comes two off two outside of him or 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 two from the other side, you know, man, you know, you you can end up having a lineman holding peen. You, you know that expression, Coach Harper, Coach Walls? Yep. That's a bad feeling to have linemen holding peen. <laughs> not blocking anybody. And it's not their fault. You know, you know right. I say not yep. I, I have a problem playing offensive lineman and it won't hit anybody on a play because that should never happen, not even for tackles, you know, not even on the backside of a, of a, of a quick sweep or, or speed option. Somebody always should be getting hit or somebody should be running from you scared for their lives and you just couldn't get to them, you know, I mean, so, but, but, uh, you, you know, you're just line protecting. There's weaknesses to that. If you're always, have the back protecting to the same side he's on. There's weaknesses to that. If you're always uh, five-man protection, there's weaknesses to that. <laughs> you know, and it's not just me being an offensive line coach. If they know you're never going to block with more than five, and you have a great receiver and a great quarterback, well, he's got to got time to get the ball off. You can block five guys, and he's still getting hit in the mouth and can't follow through on his throw. You know, and now the, the passing game is disrupted. You know, so 
I would rather, and that's one of the great things about uh, what I liked about uh, Brennan Marion. He was very big, you know, we're in Howard the past couple of years, who's now William and Mary. Very big on, uh, he was big on the run game. Uh, he was big on taking five to six shots a game. He would ask at the end of quarters, you know, the, the guys up in the box would chart it. Did we take a shot down the field? You know, just to loosen up those safeties. And they're not just a wasted play. I mean, we're trying to score. We're trying to get a big play. But uh, he was uh, he was big on, uh, you know, he was big on running, being able to run the football because he was a believer, you know, he was a believer in, in you know, that opened everything else up. You know, so uh, it was uh, it was a pleasure working with him as a result of that, you know. Now, he was very creative, so there were times you'd be scratching your head, Coach Bull, can we do this, you know. <laughs> and I think I've seen it all. <laughs> you would have, Coach, we don't need to block that linebacker. You know, you know and I'm like, Coach, what do you mean we don't need to block that linebacker on counter track? <laughs> Coach, right. every time Newton goes out the back, every time Newton goes out the back side, he's running with Newton. And he might not even have him as a responsibility. And sure enough, I, I, I was shaking my head because I think I don't miss a thing. I was like, isn't that something? That That is correct with this team. <laughs> that linebacker, even though that probably isn't his responsibility, he is running out the backside with the quarterback every time on counter track. So he's like, why block him? He's <laughs> like, let's, let's double team to the next linebacker. It, it, you know, it, it, it was uh, – or stay on the double team, you know. So it, it, it was times where, it, you know, that, and that was one of the great things about it because he challenged he challenged me from the standpoint of things that he saw. And that's what the great coordinators always, they see things that everybody doesn't see. You know, it was the same with Chip, you know. And, I, and, I, and I'm going to tell you, my development, Coach Harper, Coach Walsh, my development as an offensive line coach, the biggest gains I made as an offensive line coach was when I was at New Hampshire with Chip Kelly and my four NFL internships. So, and um, McNally was uh, somebody I leaned on and uh, he was gracious enough to allow me to call him. Those mushroom clinics in Cincinnati were outstanding. I went all the time as a young coach. I still wish I could go every year. Uh, but I went all the time as a young coach. Um, but the, the internships with Paul Boudreaux, with uh, Larry Zerline, uh, I mean, th th those internships and then the uh, working in New Hampshire was my greatest growth as an offensive line coach. You know, and then, you know, these past couple years, you know, at, at Howard, you know, with, with Coach Marion, I, I I got stretched again, and it was just different ways in a in a twenty personnel, no huddle system of looking at how to block things, and it, and it was it was terrific. It was terrific getting stretched in that way because we we're always learning. If you're a good coach, you're always learning. Yeah, yes. Yeah. I would say that's the coolest thing to hear, Coach. You know, you've you've been in the game for for so long and, and you're in your fifties and, you know, a lot of guys maybe get, start to get that fixed mindset of, well, Hey, you know what, Th this worked for me then. And this is still going to work for me now, but 
it sounds like, you know, you've, you've really had an open mind to, you know what, man, it, it does make sense. And I'm going to change up a few things. I think that's really cool to hear. Coach, I, I haven't had the, uh, the big, incredible uh, strength and size offensive lineman over the years. I'm a big believer in spacing on uh, inside running plays. Um, I get Wisconsin and the one-foot splits, they're huge. You know, uh, Arkansas a couple years back and the tight splits, they're huge, and they're a big zone team. Inside, outside, I get it. I, I get it, and I had those, if I had that personnel, I'd be the same way. We were huge on spacing uh, almost everywhere I've been. Uh, some coordinators were a little, uh, uh, a little bit more resistant to it than others. You know, you have one bad play on a, uh, you know, on a, a defensive line game or a linebacker coming up and dogging the gap and taking it. And, you know, sometimes you get a little, little weak, little, little weak of heart and want to start closing down splits. But uh, I'm a big believer in spacing. You hear, uh, you hear passing game. You hear I'm talking about it in the passing game. Hello. Um, you hear them talking about it in the passing game, spacing, and it's very important. And it's the same in the run game. You know, um, speaking about um, things over the years, I, I'm not afraid to change. Uh, from the dead snap for centers, I'm a big believer in the dead snap. I started using the dead snap about five, four years ago because the center was struggling snapping the football. So uh, I'm a big believer in the dead snap, but there's nothing wrong with the conventional snap, it, 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 depending on what that center does best. I am a, I'm an inside foot guy on skip pool. Uh, but if a guy comes from a good high school program, a good JUCO program, and, he's, and he steps with his outside foot first on a skip pool, as long as by the second step, he's one yard off the line of scrimmage in an A-gap, and his hips and shoulders are squared in the line of scrimmage. We're we're in business. We're cooking with Crisco. We're we're okay. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, but but you know, I mean, and remember what I said. Every offensive line coach has to coach to his personality. And you know, maybe because I started as a D line coach, I'm 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 okay with that. You know, I. Mm-hmm. So uh, a couple years ago, I knew we weren't strong enough up front. And I said, we got to change this. And we started galloping on the, on the uh, double teams at the backside on power and counter. I fell in love with it. You know, I, I went down and met with a great old line coach down in Clemson. <laughs> I was down there two springs ago. And uh, hearing him talking about the gallop. And then I went to Vanderbilt, a great offensive line coach. Used to be a divider. Talking about galloping. Punching the hip and galloping, and and it's amazing. I just started visualizing, and it was amazing what what that did for me and my linemen. Because you know you're double teaming a three technique to a backside linebacker with a guard, say a right guard, right tackle, and that three technique short sticks an a gap on the snap of the football. Many times your right tackle was falling on his face, mm-hmm. depending on what kind of step he was taking. Is he taking a flat step? You know, okay, now he's not getting across the line of scrimmage. You know, is he is he is he flattened up with the first step? 
You know, I mean, whatever it is he was doing in the, in, in the conventional blocking scheme on, on a gap scheme combo block to a backside linebacker, many times he was out of control, off balance, which we hate as off, offensive linemen and O-line coaches. Whereas now with the Gallup, all right, you don't have a bunch of 450-pound benchers. All right, you got power coming in in because it's all momentum. It's it's like a baseball swing. It's like a golf swing. You're torquing, and here comes that outside hand to the hip. You know, and I mean, it's a. I'm getting excited talking about. It. I'm foaming at the mouth talking about it, Coach Harper, because <laughs> it, it it changed my life. You know, I saw it. Uh, on some clinic films and things like that, I said, I got to meet with some folks, you know, on it. And, uh, man, I, I tell you, it, it really uh, – and, you know, so think about it. So, you know, in off season, you know, doing professional development is – you know, talking to young coaches out there is so important. It, it just can't always be – even though we are, there's seven different ways to teach somebody, and everyone has their preferences on how they like to learn, you, you, you got to go and meet with some people, even if it's just right down the road, even if it's 10, 15, 20 minutes away because you don't have the budget to go somewhere else. You know, you, you, you got to be able to go meet with people in the off season to stay fresh and to, and to stay up on the latest things going on. And, and, and that, that's an example right there. You know, I mean, I, I was old school. You know, as far as the, the, the combination blocks to the backside on gap scheme on gap scheme runs, and lo and behold, now I'm I'm, I'm galloping. I'm I'm a believer in it. You know, I I, I uh, a couple of years ago I only skipped pool with the guard. He he skipped pool on power. He was the only one that skipped pool. If the tackle was fast enough, if we ran dark and we ran tackle power, if he was fast enough, we might skip pool with the tackle. But he had to be a good athlete. Man, I got with Cameron Norcross at Vanderbilt. My goodness. He doesn't, you know, that's a great, that's the best conference in, in the world, SEC. Even though I'm a Big Ten guy, the, great, the best conference in the world. Even though Clemson's won two out of the last three. I, and he doesn't have the best offensive lineman in that conference. You know, when you compare him to Alabama and Georgia and Auburn, and he doesn't have the best lineman, but he gets a lot of mileage out of him. And there were things, and I stay in touch with Cameron Norcross, there were things that he discussed with me that really just enlightened me, you know. I mean, why not, you know, why not skip pool with the tackle on pin and pull? You know, on, 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 on pin and pull, why not skip pool with the tackle? Because if they're bringing someone hard off the edge, if you, if you old school start the lawnmower, flip open with your outside foot and hip, you know, can you adjust if if that if that hybrid is coming off the edge, and he looks like he's come going to come right into your chest or right through your outside shoulder, and then he dips inside because he doesn't have he 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 he's not the force player. You know, but when you skip pull, he's got a lot more control. So I, I guys, I don't mean I, I love. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it, Coach. Oh, guys, I love football and I love O line playing and. and you guys want me back. I'd love to be back. Hopefully I'm not talking too much. But I, no, no, you know, it's that's impossible. <laughs> I I I I love O line play because there's so many variables to being great. 
you know. That's ex- that's exactly right, and it's been it's been awesome, uh, you know, just listening to you talk about it because, like you said, there are so many options. Um, coach, running up on an hour, uh, but the last thing I always love to ask coaches uh, is is when you're watching another team's offensive line, what's some things they'd be doing that would make you think highly of their offensive line coach? Get off on the snap of the football, pad level, hand placement. Uh, Foot, foot fire, foot fire on contact. It's not saying they're always going to get their feet firing first over that defensive lineman or linebacker, but foot fire. Um, those uh, offensive lines that are fundamentally sound in protection, not just in the run game, but in protection. So the only thing I'll say to to some of the new school uh, coaches and offensive line coaches, and it goes on a decent bit in the NFL, just from me doing four NFL internships. Um, when I see hands down in pass protection, I, I just I don't believe in it because a, a, a boxer will have the base of his wrist at the top of his numbers, even though he's a boxer isn't thinking like that a boxer is going to be loose if he's got any defense about him he's going to be loose he's going to have he'll be ready to have good head movement he'll be ready to have quick hands and that's all done in a loaded position with a slight l in the arms with the base of the wrist at the top of the numbers anytime your hands are down when you go to punch you have to bring them up to punch even if you are teaching to punch, you know, to wind the punch, you know, those big, strong offensive linemen in the league and and at some of the uh, uh, programs in the FBS level, even if you are winding the hands and you are uh, an operation that where hand placement goes behind the shoulder pads in the run game especially, even if you are doing that, you still have to bring the hands up to do that. And as a defensive line coach, and I was a pretty good pass rusher in college, not that I have some great stats because I was never uh, a starter uh, at Penn State on the defensive line. I played as a backup. But but as soon as those hands come up, that's where the hand skills get involved. When your hands are three to six inches from your chest, base of the wrist at the top of numbers, nice and relaxed, you're not a bodybuilder, all right, we're not talking – I'm not even talking basketball, half the man. You know, everyone knows that. All offensive line coaches know that. But when your hands are relaxed, because I'm a big believer, Coach Harper and Coach Walsh, against what you're getting today from the martial arts uh, techniques that these def- – and it's been going on for a good 20, 25, 30 years that they've been using, but it's getting more and more advanced uh, now. You got to be able to be a combo puncher. If 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 you're not going up against strictly a guy who's a bull rush guy, you got to be able to combo punch. You got you can't be afraid to uh, punch outside hand, bring it back, punch both hands. You can't be able to afraid to punch one two inside out, uh, recoil and then punch. You know if if you're going up against a really good defensive end as a pass rusher, a really good three technique. And he is a counter guy. He likes to counter your first movement. And sometimes you got to faint. Just feigning and bringing the hand back 
with a with a with a flat back, a slight knee bend where you can't see the toes. You know, uh, imaginary rope going from your if in pocket protection going from your outside jersey number to their inside number. Your eyes on the bottom of their near number or their that that near hip. You know, but just being able to faint, bring the hand back or bring both hands back without leaning. And to get him slowed down on his reaction to it because of what he had in his mind initially when he saw that outside hand coming at him, he was going to slap it down. He was going to club it across. All right. And all of a sudden you brought it back and it's not there. Even if he, if he, even if he didn't swing and miss the hand. All right. That just that time right there. Now the ball not only might be gone, but the quarterback might not get hit. So I, I know I got on a tangent there, but the only thing I would say is that, uh, you know, when I watch cross tape on teams, you heard some of the things I said that I'm impressed with watching an offensive line. Uh, but when they have hand skills and, and they, they'll faint, you know, with their hands and then punch. You know, they'll punch two and get the outside one out because the defensive end or the three technique keeps trying to push, pull, and get to the back of the shoulder pad. You know, uh, you know th th those things really impress me. And then the last thing I would say is combination blocks. Backside blocking is the pathway to long runs and touchdowns. I learned that very early on as an offensive line coach, and I still firmly believe that today. So. When I see great backside blocking, that is that is an offensive line that cares about their team, cares about their offensive line coach, and cares about each other. You know, that great blocking on the backside, inside zone, outside zone, the center's back block on power and, 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 and if he's not pulling on counter. And, you know, I mean, those, those things really jump out at me. So I hope – I hope I wasn't too long-winded there. <laughs> Coach, man, I love it. You can you can just sense the passion coming through on the other side, and I think you bring up a, a lot of great points, you know, the the, the backside of, of schemes. And like you said, some of those little small details, especially when you see in, in pass protection. You know, I've, I've said it many times on the podcast. I, I think the, the advent of the RPO has maybe kind of stunted the – the growth and development of some of these young offensive linemen, especially as drop back pass protectors. So it's, it's good to hear some of the, uh, the coaches that are still teaching some of those intricacies because, you know, I, I think it's, it's such an important part of the game. At some point you're going to have to be able to drop back and throw, I would think. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with you 100%. And, and the offense that has really become popular in the NFL, Coach Harper, Coach Walsh, if you don't mind me asking you, what is it? It, the college level was running it for some time. Basically becoming versions of the air raid. Yes. So with the air raid, as as you remember, the 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 offensive lineman, you know, the quarterback would be deeper in the pocket and you know, his starting point in the gun. It's a longer snap, seven yards, I believe. And then he is taking a, a big, a big five, as they call it. And those offensive linemen are backpedaling, all right, and punching. But how many air raid teams do you see the offensive linemen doing that today? You don't see that a whole bunch. But that was the uh, 
you know, I mean, I was with Ernest Wilson. I mean, and he was with Hal Mummy and those guys. He was out in New Mexico uh, when I was at Hampton. He was the offensive coordinator one year. And he's a huge believer in the air raid. Uh, but he was okay on letting me be conventional with our pass protection. I, I just I just knew as a defensive lineman, I was going to beat an offensive lineman to that point of backpedaling. You know, so I, I'm saying that because just like you're talking about the advent of RPOs and it's slowing down the development of offensive linemen, and I agree, uh, they they found a way to get around the technique. And there's, you know, now there's still air raid offenses that, and all and offensive line coaches that firmly believe in in backpedaling, you know, three backpedaling five and punching. You know, I mean, there's still, you know, oh yeah. A number of offensive lines that do that, and offensive coordinators are not going to have it any other way. But you don't, in my mind, I have not seen that as much as I've seen it when when air raid first came out. I mean that that was part of the deal. You had to teach offensive linemen to backpedal in protection. You know, so I I think you can always adapt when when something can help you win. You can you can always adapt, you know, if you if you really want to uh, use it, and, but you don't believe in the total concept. And that's gonna do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again thank all of our sponsors. You guys make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at RunThePower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.